0: This podcast was sponsored by Baba Sobers Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services. Baba Sobers Wealth Management works with physicians, medical practices, and hospitals, providing comprehensive wealth management services for individuals and institutions. Visit our website at advisors.ubs.com forward slash Baba Sobers WM. We're members of FINRA and SIPC. FirstNet, built
1: with AT&T is the only nationwide wireless network built with and for emergency responders, including Arizona physicians, nurses, and other critical staff. FirstNet subscribers get a great mobile experience with added security and peace of mind. Visit firstnet.com to learn more. A really simple analogy for this that I like to use is a steering wheel analogy. When we drive one-handed, we would never dream of holding the steering wheel in the middle because it would be difficult to control that rotation, but that's what we're asking the ACL to do. Instead, we can very really gently hold the steering wheel at the edge with just two fingers and have great control. Uh, not that that's something I'm recommending, but, but you know it, it demonstrates that a, a small additional procedure on the outside part of the knee can really help control re- knee rotation.
2: Hi, and welcome to the Arizona Physician Podcast. My name is John McGilligot, your host for today's episode, and we're joined today by Dr. Adnan Sethna. Dr. Sethna is an orthopedic surgeon with special interest in arthroscopic surgery of the knee and shoulder. He recently moved to Arizona, and his clinical practice is based at AZBSC Orthopedics with offices in North Scottsdale, Phoenix, and the West Valley. His career has been dedicated towards providing the best possible outcomes for patients undergoing orthopedic surgery. As a result, he has published over 200 research articles and received multiple awards for his work. This includes the highest research awards from the Arthroscopy Association of North America, the Richard O'Connor Award, and from the Royal College of Surgeons UK, the King James IV Professorship. Also for his work improving the outcomes of ACL reconstruction. Dr. Sathan is originally from the UK, where he undertook medical school and residency training. He subsequently completed two years of fellowship training at internationally recognized centers of excellence in sports medicine, which includes the Royal Orthopedic Hospital in the UK and the Pan Am Clinic in Canada. He serves on numerous national and international committees, including the Arthroscopy Association of North America, the International Society of Arthroscopy, Knee Surgery, and Orthopedic Sports Medicine, and the editorial board of the Arthroscopy and OJSM journals, which are leading academic resources. For sports medicine surgeons his compassionate care is a cornerstone of dr Setha's practice he prides himself on providing the highest standards of care with a patient-centered approach and outside of work he also enjoys competitive cycling and spending time with his family sir welcome to the show
1: john thank you very much for your kind words in the introduction it's a pleasure to be on the podcast
2: well first of all welcome to the valley welcome to arizona we're glad you're here and um we wanted to to dig into uh, a little bit about your background, your training, why Arizona, and how your approach to providing care for patients is different, and, and how that's better for patients. So um, I'm wondering if we could turn back the clock a little bit and talk about your training and your career that started in the UK, and why did you decide to move to Arizona?
1: Oh, well, that's an easy question. Basically, my wife forced me to move here. <laughs> okay. Um, she she's been based in arizona for about the last 20 years and uh, although she loves england she just couldn't get used to the weather uh she was always, always complaining that it's grey and and raining and i i really didn't realize that because that's what i was always used to i grew up there uh but since uh doing my fellowship in canada and moving to arizona i can Kind of appreciate the, the big difference uh but yeah she couldn't really get used to the weather there and uh, actually she's also worked incredibly hard to set up her own business um she has a property management business that uh, she's very proud of and rightfully so and so we wanted to maintain that uh, and also we love arizona uh, especially where we live in cave creek we like being outdoors and being active we love nature uh this year we had a really cool experience we had some great horned owls nesting in a cactus in our yard and uh, they had three babies i got to watch them grow up and actually learn to fly which was an amazing experience so uh yeah it's a arizona is a great place to be we love it here
2: well congratulations to your wife and to your family as well Thank you. um would you say that the training that you received in britain and canada offered a different approach than what you see in american trained orthopedic surgeons
1: I think in general terms, the standards of training and in particular, the the finer points of the syllabus for residency training programs are actually equivalent. Uh, and so surgical training techniques, decision making in general terms are similar, but of course, having a broader experience, especially with multiple healthcare systems over international boundaries uh, is obviously going to be beneficial. Um, A particular example of that that comes to mind is um, recently the FDA approved a new implant called the InSpace Balloon. It's a device that um, is designed for people with massive rotator cuff tears. That's a tear of tendons in the shoulder. Traditionally in this patient category, uh, if we treat them surgically, they would either have a shoulder replacement or a large arthroscopic procedure, such as a superior capsule reconstruction. And without getting into the technical details, both of those are uh, fairly large surgeries with uh, results that are not guaranteed. It's a difficult patient population to treat. And this new device offers a a treatment solution that um, only takes a 10 to 15 minute arthroscopic procedure and uh, can have very good results. So it offers a major new option for patients. And it's only been approved by the FDA in the US a few months ago, But actually, it was approved in Europe uh, many years ago, and I've been using it since 2014. So I probably have more experience than anyone in the U.S. with this particular procedure. So there are some differences uh, between the systems. That's just one example. But I think having uh, experience in multiple healthcare systems can only be beneficial.
2: That's great to hear. And uh, because of that, do you maintain ties with your colleagues across the pond to find out what's happening there so that it could eventually come here or, or vice versa, things, techniques coming from the U.S. that go overseas?
1: Uh, absolutely. So um, I hold uh, professorships in the U.S. and also uh, in the U.K. I'm very heavily involved in academic work. Uh, you very kindly mentioned in your introduction that I have over 200 publications. Um, but uh, despite uh, uh, the move to the U.S. and um, setting up my practice here, I'm still heavily involved with that. In fact, just this month alone, uh, we've published four articles in AJSM, which is the leading sports medicine journal um, for orthopaedic surgeons worldwide. Um, and they were all in relation to improving the outcomes of ACL surgery. And I think at least two of those articles will be landmark articles. So it's very high quality work. So yes, um, uh, those are international ties, international collaborative research at the highest level. And absolutely we are uh, Uh, at the forefront of that and also at the forefront of introducing uh, better treatment options to our patients. But at the same time, we're also very strict about being evidence-based. It's not just uh, introducing techniques uh, for the sake of something, or or rather for the sake of doing something new or different. Everything we do is evidence-based. We publish that data, it's peer-reviewed, and that's why we have excellent outcomes for our patients.
2: That's great to hear. And I I love to talk with physicians who uh, find the time somehow to train the next generation of, of surgeons, of physicians, uh, because it also requires you to stay on top of your game and to track what's happening and and new developments. It's tough, difficult, you know, to, to juggle, I think um, what you've got in your day job and caring for patients. And then the evenings and weekends or other time that you put in with uh, training the, the the next generation and doing research on the side. But um that's how you advance the field, and it's great to see practitioners staying involved. I want to ask you about some of the recognition that you've received, and if you could provide a sort of brief synopsis of why you've been recognized. Is it mainly based on the research, some of the techniques that you've helped to, to promote, and um, the impacts that you've had for patients, or is it something else?
1: I think uh, there's a lot of overlap between all of those things that you mentioned. But uh, to give a, a brief kind of synopsis, uh, most of the awards I've received have been for work in relation to ACL reconstruction surgery. Uh, one of the big challenges with ACL reconstruction surgery, especially in young athletic high demand patients, is the risk of graft rupture. Uh, one of the highest risk sports is actually female soccer. So we see a large number of female soccer athletes. Who've had a previous acl reconstruction and then it's ruptured again and so uh what my work is focused on is in reducing that rate of graft rupture and um what what we've demonstrated over about the last 10 years worth of research effort is that adding in an additional procedure either an anterolateral ligament reconstruction or a lateral extra articular tenodesis which are both additional procedures on the outside part of the knee that help to control knee rotation. A really simple analogy for this that I like to use is the steering wheel analogy. When we drive one-handed, we would never dream of holding the steering wheel in the middle, because it would be difficult to control that rotation, but that's what we're asking the ACL to do. Instead, we can very gently hold the steering wheel at the edge with just two fingers and have great control, uh, not that that's something I'm recommending, but but you know it it demonstrates that a, a small additional procedure on the outside part of the knee can really help control re- knee rotation, and we now have uh, the largest body of work uh, is from our collaborative research group on this particular topic. We have um, numerous comparative studies demonstrating significant advantages of adding in this procedure. Most of our studies have demonstrated an approximate five-fold reduction in graph rupture rates with this additional procedure, with no evidence of increased complications or additional risk, no delay in their rehabilitation. We've published in Elite Athletes this year. Earlier, we demonstrated that in Al- Elite Alpine skiers, uh, who are also a very high risk, uh, that we reduced the graph rupture rate significantly. Nothing else since the 1980s in any published study has shown a significant improvement in graph rupture rates. In 2012, the International Ski Federation changed regulations about equipment because there were so, so many concerns about the re-injury rate, and that didn't make a difference either. Uh, adding in this extra procedure is the only thing that's been shown, um, and so I'm, I'm very lucky to have been involved in that work. Uh, we've also recently published uh, 10-year data, and this month we published uh, the largest study ever on this topic, we compared 1,000 ACL reconstructions with our technique with this additional procedure compared to 1,000 patients with a BTB graft, uh, which is the current gold standard, and we demonstrated that our technique is far superior in terms of graft rupture rates. So we have a huge amount of uh, very strong evidence to support what we're doing and getting better outcomes for our patients.
2: Uh, congratulations. Uh, the data and the evidence matters uh... I'm glad that you're getting it out there and publishing because that's the way to convince others and eventually advance the field. Dr. Seythna, thank you so much. We'll, we'll take a short break and when we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Adnan Saitna about the practice, hurdles that he's facing in private practice, how he overcomes them and um, his perspective as a triathlete. We'll be right back.
3: Interested in CME? patient and professional referrals, networking and connecting with other physicians across the valley, want to be highlighted in our Arizona Physician Magazine and podcast, or interested in exclusive discounts for your next vacation, at MCMS, we offer all of the above to fit your needs as a physician. Join us now. For more info, check us out at mcmsonline.com or give us a call today at 602-252-2015
2: Welcome back to the Arizona Physician Podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Adnan Saitna. And in the first half of the show, we talked about your training in the UK, training in Canada, the myriad publications, uh, articles that you've put out there in peer-reviewed journals, and some recognition that you've received as well. Um, I want to shift the conversation a little bit to your practice, because there are a lot of orthopedic surgeons, especially in the Valley, who join a group. Uh, they do that to scale, uh, to cover their administrative overhead expenses. I wonder if you could share with the listeners some of the hurdles that you're facing in private practice and how you work to overcome them.
1: That's a great question, John, and it's one that I've uh, thought about a lot. Um, I, th- I think the challenges are, are, are well recognized, but uh, I, I think uh, they're probably a lot more challenging for me as uh, a newcomer to practice in the, in the U.S., and particularly in Arizona, where I think um, a lot of smaller groups and practices have been brought up and uh, it's kind of hard to tap into that market. But um, it's also particularly difficult because as someone who grew up in the UK system, it's a very different structure there. I remember my first day in practice in the UK, I, uh, I turned up and I had a full clinic and the next day I had a full OR and uh, I never, ever had to do any marketing so i I don't really have that kind of business uh, acumen and marketing background, so so that in particular has been a, a challenge for me. and uh, you know I think I think the main challenge can be boiled down to the fact that as a, a small practice, we don't have the same referral networks or marketing power as as bigger groups and and so building volume has taken a huge amount of effort. Uh, but I think what has really helped me is um, excellent clinical outcomes and feedback. Uh, the referral sources that um, i'm working with now have all seen uh, the results of the work we do and the the services that i'm offering word of mouth has been very important i've had many patients who've bought uh, family members or referred their friends to me and the fact that i have um, unique experience uh, with some of the things we've discussed particularly in relation to acl surgery um, has really been helpful to build collaborations and volume so i i I, I think this is this is not an an unsolved problem, and uh, any help and advice uh, from yourself and and fellow members will be greatly appreciated. And that's one of the reasons I, I've joined MCMS. So uh, I, I, I I think there are ongoing challenges, and um, we're continuing to work on them and and build collaborations and and connections.
2: Well, congratulations for for the growth you've had, and um, I'm confident the word is going to get out. You're You're in a good location at the right time with growth in the Valley, a lot more patients coming here with their families. You've got an older population in certain pockets of town, younger generations and others, and a lot of physicians in town as well with a lot of uh, referral potential. So at the end of the show, we're going to ask you about how people can contact you and reach out. So hopefully uh, folks will do that. I want to ask you about your background um, as a triathlete. I understand that you received a scholarship at university and you competed in a few Ironman competitions, time trials, and even finished the full course in the, uh, of the 2012 Tour de France. You went on that course. That was to raise money for lymphoma and leukemia research. So my question is, how does being an athlete help your interactions with patients?
1: Yeah, I, I think that experience uh, helps a lot. Uh, Firstly, I have an insight which others without the same athletic experience simply don't have. I think that helps me to uh, better detect and diagnose injuries and uh, better determine underlying causes for injuries, particularly overuse injuries. Uh, A lot of the time we can pick up technical aspects of training that are incorrect, that maybe more traditionally would be uh, something that a coach might be responsible for. And as an orthopedic surgeon, we might not necessarily always be involved in that aspect of the diagnostic process. Uh, So I I think that definitely helps me to uh, uh, have a a better understanding of injury patterns and be more likely to make an accurate diagnosis. Uh, But it also helps me to better understand and empathize with athletes. I think if you have never uh, been an athlete at a high level, you really don't realize how hard you actually have to train to to be competitive. Um, But in addition to that, I think one of the most important things I, I get from uh, my athletic background and also working with athletes is that they really put to the test what I do. And, um, you know, to see an athlete excel after surgery gives me huge satisfaction because it knows uh, it makes me uh, confident in the fact that I've done a great job. And it also makes me feel that um, all those additional hours of training, research, uh, all these publications, awards, actually – translate into better outcomes for our patients. So uh, I I think there's a huge number of uh, uh, benefits to having that athletic background and uh, definitely is uh, something that patients like too.
2: Yeah, I would imagine so. You've been a part of teams as an athlete as well. And so I wonder, are there any lessons that you learned from racing with the team that you think you could apply to the team that you have in your practice today?
1: Yeah. To achieve in, sport at high level you have to have an experienced efficient team and excellent communication Uh, just like in sport in medicine communication is one of the most important things um a a good example of uh uh, how important communication is is that uh let's let's uh, take the example of our tour de france uh, challenge so we we cycled the full route of the tour de france we did it one day ahead of the pros uh in July in 2012 we did exactly the same route as them uh but just one day before so we did uh, I think it was 3500 kilometers in 21 days uh we had a an amazing team we couldn't have done it as a, a group of individuals um uh, so we had uh, a physical therapist come with us all of us got a, a physical therapy session every evening we had two drivers and we had a support crew of four people Together they were responsible for a huge number of things. Uh, So as a rider, all I had to do was wake up, ride my bike, eat, sleep, and that was it. They did everything from laundry, preparing the food, driving us to the destinations, planning a route, addressing any problems that came up. And so um, in sport, just like in medicine, unexpected events come up. And so uh, we had um, uh, basically a a problem with uh, tires on one of the vehicles, and uh, that caused a significant delay. And uh, that meant part of our team was lost dealing with that particular problem. So they had to uh, give up on some of the allocated tasks uh, because they were concerned about uh, getting the major problem resolved. They neglected some of the other tasks. One of those tasks was to wash the bottles from the day before. And unfortunately I actually got sick the next day. And unfortunately it was the day before the longest stage. It was, I, th- I think it was 154 miles oh, no. I had food, po- I had food poisoning on that day. And, um, uh, I basically couldn't eat anything for 150 miles, but, uh, the team came together, the chips were down. I, I sat in the pack. there was four of us. So I sat in the back the whole day, my buddies helped me, uh, you know, they protect protected me from the wind. So I didn't have to work so hard. Uh, gave me energy gels and all that kind of stuff we got through it wow but but the point it makes is that when that issue came up we kind of as a team we kind of failed with uh you know maintaining the communication we resolved the problem in the end and actually we're successful in completing you know an amazing task but it just shows that communication is super important and if we had had better communication in the team we could have uh, kind of said you know someone else has got to take over these tasks and, and so for me, that really highlights the importance of communication. And I think about that a lot, especially with regards to patient safety in the OR. And uh, I'm, I'm really big on patient communication. I'm also really good on communication with, within the team and with our physical therapists, I have text messages daily from my physical therapists, we're always on the ball with uh, uh, changing rehab for patients. But I think communication is really a very important uh, uh, factor in teamwork and getting the best possible outcomes for our patients.
2: I would say so as well. And uh, it's interesting that um, we had a a medical student essay contest recently. We asked medical students across the valley, what's the one, the most important skill that you think um, all physicians need to be learning and training while they're in medical school and communication rose to the top? So, absolutely, I think you've got a lot of people would agree with you. Before I ask you where people can contact you and reach out, um, you mentioned chips in a different context, but somebody who grew up in the uk is there a place that you found in the valley are you a fish and chips guy or have you found a pub where you can go watch your favorite match
1: uh, i'm sorry to disappoint you but uh i i've not found any good fish and chips in in the valley okay. um i've tried a few places but uh, it's just not the same as uh back home i'm i'm not really into uh, uh watching soccer too much uh, i like to be active myself and in my free time i get out there and uh, uh like to train and i'm hoping to uh, do a few races sometime early next year so i'm really focusing on that right now uh so i didn't have much time to to watch sports um but i love being outdoors here uh my wife and i hike frequently we have a dog he loves to go hiking with us so uh yeah enjoying being in the valley but um uh, that's so great watching soccer
2: yeah well check out the tour de tucson Uh, just south of here. It's a great race. A lot of people from around the world would go down there as well. Yeah. So to close this out, I wanted to uh, ask you, yes, you want to get connected to the larger medical community. Referrals would help. Um, Is there anything else you need from the medical community? And on top of that, um, how can people contact you?
1: I think the the main reason that I joined uh, the society is really to just get more connected and integrated. I'm pretty new here, so it's a totally different experience to that in the UK where I did my residency program and and started in practice, and I pretty much knew everyone in the medical community. I feel kind of uh, isolated here right now. I don't know too many people. I'm uh, working on that, but I would love to just have uh, people reach out, whether it's on a professional level to refer patients or just uh, to make more friends. It's all good. And uh, I'm hoping to uh, meet uh, other members at uh, some upcoming events. I think the most helpful thing for me from from the medical community would be to uh, build my referral base. And I'd love to work collaboratively with more primary care physicians and pain physicians. I have found it kind of difficult to get in there with primary care physicians to meet. I know they're super busy and they have a lot of people wanting to meet them all the time. Uh, but I hope that um, the platform you have provided today shows that I'm offering something a little bit different and at a very high level and that our patients have excellent outcomes. And obviously, my patient feedback's online, and I, I think that speaks for itself. So uh, hopefully, that will encourage people to refer patients.
2: Would you like people to go to your website, adnansetna.com Is that the best way for people to reach out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that has all the contact information there.
2: Sounds good. We'll include that link in the show notes as well. Uh, Dr. Adnan Sethna, congratulations again on the progress you've made, um, everything that you're you're doing now and you have uh, done for patients in the past and everything you will be doing for the patients of Arizona and and those folks who are in the Valley. Congratulations to your family. Welcome to town as well.
1: John, thank you very much. I appreciate your time and uh, thank you to MCMAS for making this uh, possible today. Uh, I really appreciate it and look forward to Uh, meeting uh, uh, all you guys at at the next
3: event This production is brought to you by Maricopa County Medical Society MCMS is increasing value for physicians throughout the valley For more info, check out mcmsonline.com or simply give us a call at 602-252-2015 Helping physicians be the best they can be
0: Does your financial advisor help you pursue what matters most? With so much at stake when it comes to protecting everything you've worked so hard to achieve, it never hurts to get a second opinion about your financial future. At BABA Sobers Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services, our approach starts by understanding your life and what you want to accomplish. Then we work together to create a framework designed to give you the confidence to do what matters most, no matter what the markets are doing. We want to help ensure you have all you need for today tomorrow, and for generations to come. For more information about Baba Sobers Wealth Management, visit our website at advisors.ubs.com forward slash Baba Sobers WM. We're members of FINRA and SIPC.